Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. The Profile with Premier Christianity magazine. Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Profile podcast. I'm Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity, the magazine that brings you this show every week. Now, the modern day hymn writer Keith Getty is best known for penning In Christ Alone alongside Stuart Townend. That song, that hymn is thought to be sung a hundred million times a year. But now, the Irish writer, together with his wife Kristen, has been nominated for a Grammy Award for their lockdown album, Confessio, Irish American Roots, by Keith and Kristen Getty. They're nominated in the Best Roots Gospel Album category, and they're going to be up against Willie Nelson, the Gay the Vocal Band, and many others this coming Sunday at the Grammy Awards. In this interview that you're about to hear with Premier's Ian Britton, you're going to hear Keith's reaction to his first ever Grammy nomination, what it's like for someone best known for writing hymns to be nominated for a Grammy Award. You'll also hear some clips of Keith and Kristen Getty's music as well as we go along. It's a great special edition of the show. I really hope you enjoy. Here's Ian Britton in conversation with Keith Getty. So it's the Grammys this weekend and you've been nominated in the Best Roots Gospel Album category. So were you surprised when you heard the news? For 22 years, we've been writing hymns. I mean, we're so focused on writing hymns for churches that Chris and I didn't even submit for the Grammys. It wasn't even on our radar at all. Uh, We went home to Ireland during COVID, as you know. We just made this album as a love letter to Northern Ireland and 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 Irish and American history, starting with St. Patrick's Confessio, St. Patrick's the first Irish hymn and then finishing with Chris and Alison Christ doing it in Christ alone. And really within that then was our story as well of being born in Ireland and going to America. But just thinking about the generations of people, generations of, of Irish tradesmen and farmers and pastors and musicians and doctors and lawyers, and all those kind of people that have passed on their faith. And so it was a project of love that we didn't write any new hymns for it. It was just a pro- random project of love. Didn't sell that well. And then, we nominated it for the Grammys, but it, it seems to have, you know, with Alison and Ricky Skaggs and Kirk Whelan and so many artists and the kind of the Irish American story, it seems to have really captured imagination. And so we're, we're thankful. But yes, surprised would be the understatement. So you've had time to live and uh, enjoy the album. Have you got a favourite track? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean. When we recorded the In Christ Alone with Alison Christ, that was special. She, uh, until Beyonce overtook her last year, she was the artist with the most Grammys in history, obviously being the greatest bluegrasser in history. Um, I love The Brightest and Best with Ricky. That's an, that's an unknown hymn. Um, it was written, by, uh, it was written by, the, by the hymn writer who wrote Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. And he wrote this other hymn called Brightest and Best that people don't really know. And so to bring that back, this film, we wrote a song called Past the Promise, inspired by our daughters love past the promise but honestly each track sort of tells a story you know beginning with the confessio which we did to the tune of farewell to balamoni which is where my dad's from and 
the early songs in the album, this is my father's world, it's from this from the part of the world my father's from, but we wrote a thing called The Run Kerry Reel about our favourite walk in the north coast of Ireland, The Run Kerry Beach. Some of the early songs, you know, had big, When I Survive was sung to the tune that Christen's dad, when he planted the church, sang. It was Christen's favourite hymn growing up. We did a version of Amazing Grace. It was from up in my grandfather's house. You know, we did a song using Ulster Scots singing by Irish weavers. And my, of course, my, I come from a textile family. So just lots of stuff reflecting in our childhood. Then it moves to the immigrant song and moving across to America. And uh, the second half of the album is more American in flavour. And as we stand at this moment, as you look back, are there particular people that you just thank God for? Oh, you know what, that's, that's a, such a beautiful question. You know, I think you know, there's just so many, you know. We're studying Proverbs 3 this week and just the importance of teachability. In my case, certainly in my younger years, you think about the patience of people. You know, my, my own parents were, you know, g- giving me birth and Christian's parents as well. And coming from Christian family heritages, that was a big part of this. The Christian heritage and the, and the simplicity and the beauty of what that was. I'm most thankful, honestly, obviously for Kristen, because she really helped free my heart to love the Lord and love what I did and not be, you know, embarrassed to do that and, uh, and to pursue it. And, and she backed it even when I was making... You know, a gigantic mistake. She still backed it and went with it. And uh, so, you know, we were thankful for all those things. And honestly, honestly, one day we were in Bally Castle and you can look across Bally Castle uh, Harbour. On a good day, you can see the Mull of Kintyre, you know, where, where Paul McCartney obviously wrote his song and you can see Rathlin Island. And I just, I broke down that day because I realised my girls couldn't believe all the shops were called fruit shop and this kind of thing and butcher shop because they've grown up in America and they didn't realise this represents families who had passed these little shops on for generation after generation. And now realizing, coming back, just how hard it is to pass on the promises of the Lord to our kids, to raise kids. I mean, it's, just, it's a whole different level. So I think it brought a sort of a new appreciation and uh, I think right humility. I don't want to make it sound more posh than it is, but just it gets, got to get you down on your knees more and makes you realize that this is, you know, some things in life have come a little bit easier, I think, in some ways. But the basics of Christian living, the basics of prayerful living, the basics of raising your kids in the love and fear of the Lord is, is tough stuff, you know. So when it came to picking a musical instrument up, I understand it was a guitar right at the beginning, was it, as an 11-year-old? I was terrible at school. My parents had to, I went and stayed at my aunt's farm for a summer because I couldn't even face being in the same town as people I went to school with. I hated school. Then a teacher called Bobby Wright at Pond Park Primary got me. She realized there was some sort of musical thing and she realized I couldn't concentrate on anything. But she was able to kind of help me around. And then one of our teachers, Michael Newman, in the school got me into the guitar. And so I just got into the guitar and and that led to piano. When I realized that chords in the piano were the same as chords, the same as the chords in the guitar. Originally, I didn't think they were connected. And then um, what I love was just music making. I love getting people in a room and making music and writing music and and that's kind of, my dad came to a show we're doing in the States a couple of years ago. And he said, you've been doing the same thing for 30 years. It's just, it's just kind of grown a little bit each year, you know, and really what I was doing by the time I was 13 is, is really what I'm doing now. 35 years on at 48, it's, you, can, you can actually, you can actually even map the year. It's going to be 35 years of doing the same thing. So, And when you look at your own uh, family and your parents and generations before, do you think music was in their DNA and that's kind of passed on to you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, my mom was a piano teacher. My dad was the church organist. It's interesting, growing up, I thought I couldn't relate to modern worship. And I thought, I felt like the odd guy because 
really engaged the young people in the youth fellowship and the young people in the script union in school. But I thought it was kind of vacuous and was a little bit, I liked some of the songs. I thought Graham Kendrick was one of my heroes growing up, but I thought the songs weren't saying enough. And I thought the music wasn't good enough. We had a home where everything was filled with church music. My Sunday mornings was hymns, Sunday evenings was gospel songs, Sunday night was youth group, youth fellowship songs, young people songs. You know, but our home was filled with church music. It was filled with classical music. It was filled with melodies and sing and sing songs. And we were born in the north of Ireland. And you know, if you put those four things into a juicer and press on, what comes out the other end is our music. And I would say to any young writer listening today, or anybody who's a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a pastor, to a young writer is encourage them to write from the place they came. If I would have tried to sound like Matt Redman or Martin Smith, what I would have done would never have worked. It would never have had an effect. It would never have had a voice. It would never have been able to help people. But being able to take the things that are part of your background and follow those and follow the passions of those and then trying to create something that's beautiful and serves people and that people can sing and make music with is, is definitely the way to go. And so I'm, I'm thankful for the uniqueness of my background. For certain, before I humbly cried, I was like an old stone lying deep in the boggy mire. Then he who is almighty came in mercy and raised me up high upon a wall. He lifted me, least deserving of his love. We go We go Homeward Christ be with us on the road And when it came time to study you came to my part of the world so you came to the city of Durham Initially the idea was to study conducting in London and they didn't do an undergrad course and so I got this great teacher of conducting um, who was a professor at the Guildhall at the time and he said I'm going to teach you privately but you have to go to college I learned a lot there I mean first of all obviously Folk music of that part of the world loves Celtic music. And so that was, it was a synergy with the Celts, I think. But, but the other thing I really learned there was being involved in an Anglican college, in an Anglican college at St. Chad's, and being taught by the choral conductor who conducted the Durham Cathedral Choir. It taught me Anglican liturgy. If you want to go through our whole catalogue, there's not one of those songs doesn't bear evidence of somebody who studied liturgy in a daily level for multiple years and sang liturgy and enjoyed that. And it's um, given me a real determination, you know, to, to, to add that and to add the sense of history and structure and biblical balance to the songs that we write. Does that mean that you found time to go to Coral Evensong in Durham Cathedral? I could actually throw a cricket ball and hit the cathedral wall from my bedroom. So, um, yeah, we used to go across all the time and then we'd go to the Amsizes for coffee afterwards. So it was great. So your faith journey, did that run in parallel with your musical journey? I guess looking back, I was a very typical firstborn child. I wanted to please your parents. I wanted to go to church. You know, I used to love church. I loved evening services. And I loved listening to, you know, I loved listening to missionary stories. You know, they were, for me, they were they were my heroes. They were the Steve Jobs. I think, you know, they were the Steve Jobses of the world. They were the Richard Bransons of the world 150 years ago. And it's so important that we are exciting our kids with the courage and the vision of these people. You know, we're doing the same, the same conference this year is called Sing the Great Commission. And part of it is how you do that locally as musicians. Part of it is looking at the world. But part of it is just having a vision for the future. And that's a, just a huge part of what we're trying to do this year at the conference and inspire people, excite people to be excited about the future and all that God is doing in the world. 
The grammar school system in Northern Ireland is great because you always get Christian friends, but you're always, you know, decidedly in the minority. I used to always try and hang out with people, and it's really still the same. We just had a party last night at our house, and a bunch of friends who you know, no interest in Christianity all turned up for the laugh, and we made music and had fun. And uh, but you know, we, as you, as I entertained conversation with people, I began to realize I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And so I did some debates with students from Islamic background, students who were atheists, the people who had very different views on what Christianity was, and and just that interaction, both in debates and socially made me realize that, you know, I had a lot to learn. And my mum and dad introduced me to a man called Professor John Lennox the week before I went to university. So I met him and got supper with him before I went to college. And that was really a decisive moment for multiple reasons, because he really, he, first of all, inspired my soul, inspired my mind. And I think it's important to remember, if you're not inspiring young people, they're not going to ask you the questions anyway. But he inspired me first. Then after he inspired me, he had great answers to the questions that I wanted to ask him. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't listening to him first. I was inspired first. And then secondly, he had great answers when I asked And he had time. When I had questions, he always had time to listen and give very wonderful answers. And then thirdly, when I came home from college, one day he wanted me to meet his niece. And so his niece, Kristen Lennox, came around to visit me. And uh, that was probably the, the best thing he ever did for me. So if I look back at my own life as a, as a teenager, there was one particular guy who was just a great preacher. And I, and I think that was formative for me. Uh, and you said a similar kind of thing. There were just particular people who were teaching you and encouraging you spiritually at that time. Absolutely. And you're so and you're so thankful for them. And you, when you think about your own kids, I got up this morning and praying for my girls. And that's that's what we're praying. We're praying for people who will just be inspiring souls in their life. We want their music teachers. I want their music teachers. I want their youth group leaders. I want the people we bring around to our house who socialize with them to inspire their souls. And then when they get interested in stuff, we want them to be surrounded by people who are Christian, who are good at those things, you know, and you just keep praying each day and, and doing that. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still and striving cease My comforter, my all and all Here in the love of Christ I stand So in Christ alone, it's what? 20 odd years now since you wrote In Christ Alone and collaborated with Stuart. Yeah, 22 since Stuart and I wrote that. 22? Yeah, yeah, it's number one song in Brit. I can be pleased with that without without being boastful because the truth of the matter is there's no false modesty. I mean, it was the first hymn I wrote and I've never been able to repeat it. So it's not as if I'm being like falsely modest. You know, I, I can tell you factually, it was most of the genius in that song was Stuart. And Stuart was my teacher. I mean, it was really a teacher-pupil relationship for eight years. I... Starting within Christ alone, over eight years, we wrote 24 hymns, and 18 of them already became kind of standards in, in the British church and around the world. I would visit him every other month. I would just come with melodies, and he would tell me they were they were all pretty hopeless, except maybe one of them had potential. And so I would maybe give 100 hours, and he'd just sit back and listen and go, eh, not very good. And then he'd find one that he liked. And I always had a vision for all the songs, but I didn't have the skill I didn't have the skill to write good lyrics. Sometimes I wrote a lyric for him and he just like disparaged it and, and then did it again. And he's just got that magical 
touch of poetry. You know, when I listen to young writers today trying to write songs, there's a lot more people from conservative churches or Bible churches or reformed churches writing songs. When we did it, there's nobody from those backgrounds doing it at all. And uh, now there's an awful lot more writing. It. And some of them are even trying to write good music, but very few of them have the poetic arc that Stuart has. Kristen has it. Matt Boswell has yeah. it. Love them what the City of Light guys are doing right now. But there's very few people out there who have that poetic arc. And, and, and Stuart really, of all of them, Stuart's the grandmaster. Is it very much now that you're encouraging people to collaborate, these new writers that are coming along, that you're encouraging? I've really had four careers as a writer. There was the phase with Stuart. Then there was the phase that Kristen and I and Stuart wrote together. When Stuart had less time, he really encouraged Kristen and really taught her as well. So then, then we moved to Nashville and began, when other people, when the hymns began to take off, other people wanted to try writing hymns. So we became went to Nashville and uh, and we, we started to collaborate more with other writers. And then a lot of them came to us and said, will you be our publisher? And so now, now there's, there's about 12, 13, 14, there's 14 writers in our publishing company. So I'm kind of the, a writer, but sort of the senior writer publisher with this team. So it's a, it is really cool. I mean, our writers, I think I'm the oldest, but they go right down to 19 years old. It's a ton of fun. Of course, they all, they all think they know better than me. And honestly, most of the time these days, you know, there's usually, most years since we started this, one of them has written a better song than I have. Timothy Dudley Smith, he uh, wrote Lord for the Years on the Train, apparently. Have you written anywhere particularly interesting? Timothy Dudley Smith, first of all, was a lovely man. I have a hymn book collection. When I did the Facing a Task Unfinished hymn, which was a rewrite of Frank Houghton's hymn, which he wrote in China at that low point in the Red Army where we're where martyring Christians, he gave a hymn book to Timothy Dudley Smith, who gave it to me, and Pam Rhodes introduced us. And so I have a huge love for Timothy. Every song's got an interesting story. I mean, you know, songs should be written, written out of the well, the well of our lives. We wrote a song this last year called Rejoice, and it was, you know, Philippians 4, 2, 5, and Rejoice Heart Always Again, I say Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything. And, of course, the Gen Z generation, if you've got kids, if you've got kids like, like I have under 15, now they're all Gen Z, and the anxiety that these kids are going through because of social media, because of, because of, you know, gender dysphoria, because of all of the things in our culture, because of, because for the, you know, the first time in 500 years, Christians are on the wrong side of the law. And so there's a whole new level of anxiety, which now exists, but realizing that rejoice in the Lord always. Cranmer way back used it as a call to worship in the Anglican prayer book. You know, every song is coming from a position of, you're writing apart from your own heartbreak. Your be- our best prayers and our best learning and our best songs are writing out of our own our own figures and the things that are closest to our own our own bone at that moment I think. Rejoice in the Lord now and always sing it again we rejoice delight in the love he has shown us gratefully lift up your voice his gentleness among us will join our hearts with Breath. He's given breath. 
And if we look beyond the Grammys, beyond this moment, uh, you've got plans for a world tour? Are you going to be in Northern Ireland? Well, it's easy to look beyond the Grammys because we're against Willie Nelson. So I don't really think we can beat Willie Nelson. He's, he's on the road again, as he says, you know. <laughs> so uh, I think in terms of this week, Willie Nelson will always be in everybody's mind. And so there's no, there's no, real, way, there's no real way around that. The thing we're most excited about is the Sing Hymnal. We're collaborating with Crossway at the ESV to release the Sing Hymnal in 2025. And, you know, when we, after we wrote In Christ Alone, we set this goal of 2050 of writing hymns that go through the whole Bible, that teach the whole faith to the English-speaking world. And then we use much of the resources that we have and we put into a foundation to help develop hymn writers around the world and help build for the next generation. Being involved with the hymnal, being involved with our foundation, although, although the organization has many more staff, I find myself now pulled also towards the foundation. That's a totally different group of people, but what they're doing around the world is, is truly radical. And then they're partnering, as you say, with the World Tour. We're playing Belfast on the 17th of June, do a day for church leaders on the 16th. So if you want to pop over to Belfast, I think the concert's pretty close to sold out. So Sing Europe's the 17th in Belfast, Sing Asia's the 24th in Singapore. And then the 27th, we're playing Sydney Opera House for, for Sing Australia with, a, with an event after that. So excited about that. I'm excited to take our kids to Australia for a little family vacation afterwards before, before going back again. Well, bless you, Keith. I hope you enjoy the experience of being in California, whatever the outcome is going to be. Uh, <laughs> I just hope that you all have a great time. Well, thank you so much, and I suspect the result will be something more akin to Liverpool this season than Liverpool last season. So we'll, we'll enjoy it either way and be thankful for it. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who planned the depths of my disgrace. That was Keith Getty in conversation with Ian Britton on today's special bonus episode of The Profile Podcast. We'll be back next week with more great interviews for you. But if you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd really appreciate it if you could just take a couple of seconds to give us a rating and a review wherever you found this podcast episode. It helps other people to discover the show and enjoy these great interviews with leading Christians from all walks of life. So do that now if you wouldn't mind a rating and a review. Can I recommend five stars? That would really help. But whatever you think is fair or appropriate, we would be very grateful for. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll see you next time right here on The Profile Podcast. Take care. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.